49ers rewatch, taking a look back at the huge week one win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. What did we notice on a second pass? Did Kenny Pickett get knocked silly and grades from week one? Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Big ups to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are one. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere that you get your podcasts. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase, locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100 at prize picks. All right, Croc. A lot of people that played prize picks and uh, had the the hires on the San Francisco 49ers stats did pretty well for themselves on Sunday. A big 30-7 to win for the 49ers. Going through it, uh, you know, a lot of confirmation on what we saw with the 49ers just kind of handled them they went into their building this is a tough guy team right in the pittsburgh steelers you don't go into their house this is a team that won uh week one against the bills and the Bengals the last two years and so um you know played their ones as much as anybody and the 49ers went in there and handled them quite easily Uh, i want to start real quick crock with something and i don't know if you've seen it but uh, it was brought to my attention by some steelers fans that they think that Kenny Pickett actually got concussed in the very first drive of the game on that first third down sack by Drake Jackson. And there's video evidence that kind of supports that theory because, and something I didn't realize last year, because, you know, um, Tua Tungvaluwa had all the, uh, you know, the, the was famously had multiple concussions last year and like the head injuries and didn't really think of that for Kenny Pickett, but Kenny Pickett had two concussions last year too. And that first drive of the game, when Drake Jackson slung him to the ground, he hit his head hard. It bounced off the turf. And the theory is the reason he was so bad in that game was that maybe he was concussed early on. And maybe he wasn't seeing things clearly because upon my rewatch, that also adds up because he was missing stuff. We talked about some coverage sacks and some of those things. There were times when it actually it happened on that very play that he got hurt. So he wasn't seeing things clearly even before that, if it was concussion <laughs> on that play, because that was one of those that I had called a, a coverage sack on yesterday's show. After watching the game live, watching it back, there were players open on a lot of these where Kenny was holding the ball a little bit too long. Kenny Pickett and, um, and ended up getting flushed out of the pocket and, and getting sacked on that play. And I don't know if the, if there was a concussion involved there, if that played in a part in how he played, but he played, Straight up bad football. The 49ers caused a lot of it, but it was just a stark contrast in how much timing, how easy things looked on the other side for Brock Purdy. It was very clear right away that he was he was playing really fast mentally. And you know, just what that means is just not being comfortable in the pocket. Uh, where he's dropping back to, you know, throw the ball. He's not seeing the field well. You know, one really positive thing with Brock Purdy, really since he's taken over for the 49ers, is it feels like he sees the field the same way that Kyle Shanahan does. Well, it was the complete opposite for Kenny Pickett. However, his offensive coordinator was seeing the field. Pickett was not seeing it that same way. And then when he did, he was either late or too fast to it to where he kind of rushed through some of some of his mechanics and just flat out missed 
throws. Uh, there was a slant in the red zone to Deontay Johnson that really should have been a touchdown. And he just completely, I just threw it behind him to where Drake Greenlaw was able to make a play on the ball. Again, that, that comes from just not being comfortable, maybe going a little fast with your footwork. And then, you know, I won't act like I'm this uh, quarterback guru or anything with mechanics. I've learned a little from my guy, Greg Pinelli, but he looked very rushed from the start. So you talk about that first sack with his head bouncing off the turf. Maybe that did have something to do with it because that was a complete opposite of what I had seen from Kenny Pickett in the preseason. And I know preseason isn't the regular season. I know in the preseason, you know, it's not Nick Bosa on the other side or Hargraves or Armstead and all of those guys, Fred Warner and what he was doing. I, I understand that part, but just from the sense of just understanding your offense, I didn't get that from Kenny Pickett from start to finish in that game. Uh, I do want to address one thing that, you um, know, I called it a coverage sack for Drake Jackson. He had a, a fantastic game. We gave him a game ball, but some people thought we didn't give him enough credit yesterday for the game he played. And, and I want to make sure that that um, I do give Drake Jackson that credit just because I call it a coverage sack. I think some of those, um, you know, some of those plays where the quarterback holds the ball a long time and you end up getting a sack on second effort. That's 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 also a positive for that pass rusher. That means they've got a motor. That means they're chasing him down. Drake Jackson showed the athleticism I talked about yesterday. He's one of the few guys the 49ers have coming off the edge that that can chase down a quarterback. Um, you know, Bosa and and probably after Bosa, it's Drake Jackson as far as athleticism and getting after guys. And um his limbs can be going in all different directions. I think he'll have more of an economy of movements as he gets better, he actually reminds me of the defensive version of maybe Brandon Ayuk, where all of a sudden, you know, year three, year four, you start to see the best version of Drake Jackson, where he really turns into a terror because he has all that ability. The flexibility at his size is really um, kind of special. And if he's got the work ethic and he changed his body in the offseason and he's got the motor, I have no doubts that Drake Jackson's going to get there. And it was really cool to see him, uh, you know, create, some sacks on his own, but also take advantage of plays that um, when, when, when a quarterback was maybe holding the ball a little bit too long or pushed out towards him. So yeah, big ups to Drake Jackson. He had an awesome game. Yeah, no, he did. And you talked about that kind of like second effort and, and that hustle and, and you need that. And that's how guys get sacks as well. You know, not everybody's going to beat a guy instantly. Like we saw from TJ Watt and kind of that drumming he put on McKivitt's where it's just right now I beat the guy, quarterback doesn't even feel it because it happens so fast and he's able to knock a ball loose. Sometimes it's that second, uh, you know, just that motor and that second effort and being able to chase the quarterback down. You know, on the first sack, you talked about it being the coverage sack. It, I think there was an edge rusher on that rep who kind of pushed the quarterback off of his spot and that made him kind of try to like, you know, extend the play. I think it made him drop his eyes a little bit. So you did talk about it being a cover sack. I think it really helps when you have a guy that moves a quarterback off his spot, then who was able to get the benefits of that? It was Drake Jackson. So that's a terrific job of him really staying with the the play, being able to take a really good angle to the quarterback and not allowing him to throw the ball away, which I thought like, is he going to try to throw this away? And he was able to get to him before he was able to do any of that. He, he closed extremely fast. It was Eric Armstead, in fact, that that yeah. created the interior push on that play. And I want to go to my guy Antonio Kruger, who I used to do a college radio show with. Shout out to the uh, the sports outside the mainstream crew, KFSF style. Um, 
He says, can we get an underappreciated game ball for Armstead? Collapses the pocket and helps others get sacks. His stat sheet doesn't do his work justice. And for this game, can't wait to hear Bay Area Wink give props to the kicking battery. So, yeah, we'll, we'll hear the Wink wish watch tomorrow on the Winky Wednesday with Nicholas Winkler. But, I mean, it's a great point by Kruger here. And on that very play, it was Eric Armstead that initially pushed the pocket and sent Kenny Pickett out of there, and then Drake Jackson finished it off with the sack. And that's kind of what Eric Armstead's M.O. has been with the 49ers, aside from that one 10-sack year in, uh, in what was it, 2019, right? DeForest Buckner's last yeah. year, and then got paid. And, you know, he's played outside. He's played inside. He's a really good run defender. He's a, he gets a lot of pressures, but not a lot of sacks necessarily to show for it. And sometimes those things go unrecognized. So I think we got to give a, uh, a shout out to Eric Armstead as well, who played a really good game. And that's what you want, right? Really from your defensive line. They didn't invest a lot of money into the D line to just have one guy consistently beat guys. Sometimes it's going to be the others really helping out. Eric Armstead pushing the pocket, you know, driving off of the lineman into the quarterback's lap, making him move off of his spot, and then having guys like Drake Jackson and Nick Bosa clean it up. You know, that's not even the biggest benefit of having a guy like Armstead. I mean, he's terrific against a run. And that was something that we were somewhat worried about from preseason, uh, just not knowing exactly how that would carry over to the regular season. Is it because of a lack of, you know, Nick Bosa? He's not really out there. And, you know, hard raves, how many snaps is he getting? 49ers kind of got gashed in the preseason. Kinlaw, like, what, what is his impact going to be? Which I thought he actually played well. But once you have all those guys in there that you've invested a lot of money in up front, we talk about Kenny Pickett and maybe not seeing the field well in the passing game. When you don't have a running game to help you, it makes it 10 times harder to really become consistent and comfortable in the passing game. I keep going back to Brock Purdy and how, again, he's seen the field the way Kyle Shanahan wants him to. Well, 49ers do a lot of things setting up the passing game with the run game. And the run game being able to kind of play on script. Uh, Christian McCaffrey running through some nice run lanes and picking up yards, keeping the Steelers' defense off balance. It was the complete opposite, again, for Pickett, where – Everything was behind the sticks. They were backed up, third and long situations, third and seven situations. And that definitely was an advantage for the 49ers. More on what we noticed second time through watching 49ers Steelers in week one. What about the DB shuffle and uh, some grades, some PFF grades for the 49ers, the good and the bad from Sunday. A lot more good than bad. Next. Today's episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Get ready for that NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. No matter if that first $5 bet wins or loses, you get the 200 in bonus bets from America's number one sports book. And how about this one for all customers at FanDuel, new and old, who bet $5? You will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. Bet on everything. Spreads, player props, build your own parlays. And of course, uh, you might be a little excited to bet on the 49ers to win Super Bowl 58. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. What do you think about Javon Hargrave's debut with the San Francisco 49ers? I saw some folks early in the game kind of saying, I don't know about this Hargrave guy. He's not really doing much. But, man, that run defense was stout. And I think that's the number one thing. When you have a guy that's built like he is, 
taking on blocks is number one. And then penetrating is kind of the secondary thing. And he showed that as well, getting his first sack as a 49er. But again, with the interior guys, sometimes it's hard to notice the dirty work they're doing, keeping Fred Warner clean so he can go thump Najee Harris. I'm glad you brought up keeping Fred Warner clean because he came through and crushed Najee Harris, right? Like at or right behind the line of scrimmage. That does not happen if your guys on that front aren't getting put pushed out of their spots, right? We, we saw that. Again, I referenced the preseason and Kinlaw and how he got pushed, I mean, yards out of there to where it opened up these gaping holes. And now it's not as clean for your linebackers, guys able to move on to the next level. If you looked at the 49ers in the run game, there was a lot of that where guys were kind of sealing the edge and then moving on and getting to the next level to be able to block defenders. Well, when you have guys like Hargraves where it takes multiple guys to really kind of slow him down, him and Armstead, you have to give a lot of attention to them. Well, who comes slicing in untouched? It's guys like Fred Warner. So I really like how you talked about even with Armstead where it might not show up all the time on the stat sheet. But, man, it's it helps the really the entire front so much having a guy like him who even if he's taking on doubles, even if he's kind of getting uh, there at a standstill, being able to keep the guys at the second level clean in the run game. Did you – Notice anything from the 49ers defensive back? You are the defensive back guru. So when we do a rewatch, I got to ask you about the DBs. And we know that it was uh, injury related why Ambry Thomas left the game because it, it was, it was kind of odd. It looked almost like, okay, we're going to try both ways, see if we like it better with Diamador Lenore outside and Isaiah Oliver inside or with Diamador Lenore inside and Ambry Thomas outside. And uh, the, the Steelers are in three wide so much or even two tights that, you know, it was a lot of. Um, nickel defense for the 49ers so uh, we didn't see as much base as we see sometimes when the 49ers play other teams like the you know the Seahawks or whoever and um, did you which pairing did you like the best where do you like Diamador Lenore the most do you think it's doing him a disservice to move him outside in do you think he should be inside only outside only uh, Ambry Thomas Isaiah Oliver what do you think I think Ambry Thomas is best suited to play in the slot. But if you're going to do that, you got to have that guy that you really like on the outside. And I'm just not sure at this moment right now, September 11th at 3.20 Pacific time, is is uh, Ambry Thomas that guy? You know, and, and I, I don't think so. We'll, we'll see. He can prove us wrong and go out there and, and be tremendous. And obviously just to work into the line, lineup like he has, that's a tremendous step step forward for him. He's going to have to continue to go out there and play well to show us that he is the long-term guy. But you talked about cover sacks. He's got to be doing his job there. I thought at the end of the first half, it kind of got away with, from him a little bit, playing a little soft, which kind of ultimately led us to believe, like, was he benched? And they went to Isaiah Oliver in the slot and Lenore on the outside. But – Overall, I think he did well. I definitely was more impressed with the way that uh, Traverius Ward was challenging himself throughout this game. Obviously, he had the interception early, and I was really excited about that, making the play on the ball. Hufunga got one later in the game as well. But being able to turn and run with guys vertically down the field, there was a shot play to Pickens later. And, I mean, Ward was running step for step, stride for stride with him. Now, I kind of really highlighted that matchup uh, you know, pre pre-game because I felt like that was something that favored Traverius Ward with the type of corner he is and with the type of receiver that Pickens is, where Pickens isn't gonna really outrun you like that. He just is terrific at the catch point, being able to kind of position his body to make some acrobatic uh catches. But 
overall, Traverius Ward limited that, limited the explosive plays. I'm not even sure if I remember just off the top of my head him just giving up a catch. And maybe there was something underneath where they weren't really worried about. But overall, I thought he did a really terrific job uh, challenging himself throughout that game on the outside with Pickens. It might have been even the first play of the game. It was like a little slant or something to to Pickens. And yeah. they didn't even get a first down on that drive. And, um... <laughs> and that's what they wanted. When you look at the style that they're playing, right, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, you listen to the defensive coordinator, Wilkes, talk about how, you know, he's going to be more aggressive and do those things. And then yesterday it was like, well, they didn't really blitz a whole lot. Well, they didn't have to. And I talked about the Steelers really kind of being behind the eight ball on the down and distance on third downs. Just keep it in front of you. I don't care if you give up a catch. PFF might knock you on, you know, a target and, you know, a catch and the percentage against you. And at the end of the season, you'll go back and be like, oh, this guy gave up 75% of, of the targets at him. But if you kind of add context to that and say, well, most of them were on third down and they were short of the sticks forcing a punt. I don't care. So I didn't feel like there was anything watching that game where uh, Ward or really anyone outside of that last drive before the half with Ambry Thomas where guys were like a liability out there. I just didn't get that sense. <laughs> and we're talking about coverage. I think you have to also throw in there Fred Warner because, I mean, he was terrific in coverage. We, we talked about him in the run game, but in coverage, he does a really good job of just closing space extremely well. Obviously, he got his hands on the football that ended up being picked off by Tylenol Hufunga, but being able to drift into that passing lane, I mean, he – we can go on and on and talk about how good he is, but watching it, it was very clear why he's the best linebacker in the NFL. Right. Yeah. You think you have that part of the field open and most linebackers, maybe every single linebacker, except for Fred Warner, th that is open and he gets there because his hand on a football and it's a turnover instead of a, a completed catch. So yeah, just phenomenal stuff there. Uh, that, that George Pickens catch though. I, I can't think of another player. I think you got to go back to uh, our guy, Brandon Lloyd, when there was a guy in NFL history that has the percentage of catch to ridiculous catch highlight, like acrobatic catch ratio, Brandon Lloyd would always have these insane ones, like preseason games, out of bounds, whatever. This is one of those like out of bounds catches. Uh, Pickens is bigger, obviously, than Brandon Lloyd. But I mean, just his body control is ridiculous to be able yeah. to go catch those balls. And like he got the two feet in. It wasn't in bounds, but like to be able to do that and contort your body, get the one hand to catch, and he still got his toe tap down. The toe tap was way out of bounds, but have all of that going on at the same time is just kind of insane to watch. Incredible ball skills. And and guys like him, it's really tough. I would say uh, Des Bryant, it didn't look as acrobatic, but when you threw the ball in the air towards him, he just did a really good job of muscling guys out the way and kind of plucking the ball out of the air. Pickens does it. It's a little flashier. Right. And you kind of look at the, you know, the Odell Beckham catch. That's kind of the, you know, that's the top tier. Right. If we're talking mm -hmm. about, you know, a one out of 10, you know, that Odell catches a 10. But Pickens is always right there hovering around at eight or nine uh, with the style points on some of his catches or at least uh, attempted catches, which it looked like he almost got his feet in on that touchdown. So or it would be touchdown. So now he, he's terrific from that. The tough thing for him is unlike an Odell Beckham who can beat you so many different ways. Pickens can only beat you one way. Like, he's not a run-after-catch guy. He's not a separation guy. It's everything that he does. It has to be a spectacular contested catch. And it's difficult to consistently win like that at the NFL level. 
you know, so they can scheme some stuff up and he, you know, might catch some slants and, and whatnot. But as a defensive back, the way I would view him is I know I'm going to be in position to make the catch. I just can't let him dog me at the catch point. All right. Final thoughts on our 49ers rewatch some PFF grades as well. And we'll wrap up this episode of Locked On 49ers. And of course, we'll be talking more about uh, a certain subject crock next week uh, or not next week, but next episode. Um, not only the wink wish wash, but next episode, I want to talk a little bit more about the 49ers cap room that they created and, and what could potentially be done. Why are they doing that right now? Uh, and what, what is that cap space for? So that'll be on tomorrow's episode. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Today's episode brought to you in part by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun you will have playing fantasy football this season, winning up to 25 times your money. All you do with Prize Picks is you pick two or more players, you pick more or less on their projected stats, and place that entry in less than 60 seconds, and you're off and running. For example, Monday Night Football coming up here. Uh, we're recording this before Monday Night Football. And by the way, some of you might be listening to it after, but you can bet on Aaron Rodgers passing touchdowns. Three, two and a half. How many is he going to have? You go higher or lower that number on price picks. Uh, if you pick just about any 49ers player on price picks on the higher end of things, you would have had uh, a big win in your fantasy football league. Price picks, daily fantasy made easy. All you got to do is go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that is pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks daily fantasy sports made easy. Hey, hey Peacock, there was some news that just came out. We've been talking a lot about Ambry Thomas, all right? And Nick Wagner uh, tweeted out, no additional injury updates from the 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan today. Cornerback uh, Ambry Thomas was checked for a concussion yesterday and today. He passed both times. So uh, there's nothing else to report as far as injuries. And, you know, I'd say coming out of week one, that's as good as news as you can hear. Even for a guy like, you know, Ambry Thomas, where it's like, man, the, the, the guys that you've been kind of building this cohesiveness with – on the back ends, keep those guys out there. Like, let's see them continue to improve and gel together and get that uh, communication down. Cause that's a big part of it. It's hard when you have a whole lot of moving pieces, guys in and out, guys getting banged up. Sounds like the entire team kind of escaped that game fairly healthy. I mean, it couldn't have gone better for the 49ers. And uh, Trent Williams kind of looked banged up in that game. He's like, oh yeah. man, big man, that's a guy the 49ers can't afford to lose, right? Uh, he's in the clear. Brock Purdy had an awkward play with his arm underneath him. Uh, you know, took all those, took some pretty good hits coming off of arm surgery, all in the clear injury wise. So uh, that's fantastic news for the 49ers big time going into week number two. Uh, speaking of Trent Williams, one of the better grades for the 49ers on the offensive side of the ball. Can you guess though, Croc, who had the highest grade according to PFF on offense? Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he was number two. Number one was Brandon Ayuk, a 92.9 <laughs> grade, which is just, I, I don't have the numbers for everybody in the league, but it's one of the best grades of the entire week in the entire NFL for Brandon Ayuk. And um, he was he was losing guys in man coverage, uh, blocking downfield, just a phenomenal game for Brandon Ayuk. Christian McCaffrey, uh, 92.9, by the way, grade for Brandon Ayuk, which is phenomenal. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was the second highest graded San Francisco 49er, mostly for his running ability. He wasn't targeted much, surprisingly, in the passing game, actually. Brock Purdy was third, Trent Williams fourth, 
Ray Ray McLeod uh, for his run blocking ability, getting an extra little bit of a, a push there in his PFF grade Debo Samuels where it's so the stars came out to play for the San Francisco 49ers. Those were the top six graded players on the offensive side of the ball for the Niners. And then uh, on the, on the bottom end, I'm actually surprised that Colton McKivitz wasn't the lowest just because you give up the, the three sacks, but I think the, the penalties had something to do with it. And we talked about not being able to uh, afford to lose Trent Williams. Uh, three of the the five worst grades for the 49ers on offense were Aaron Banks, Colton McKivitz, and Spencer Burford. Spencer Burford, and I kind of made a joke. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you saw it on social media, but I said, this guy must have you know, ate crowns when he was a kid because how are you so like unaware of the situation running out the quarter? Like everyone knew, I'm pretty sure you were sitting there watching saying, oh, they're just going to see if they can get them to jump off sides. That's what I was thinking. My daughter was sitting next to me like, daddy, they're just trying to get them to jump off sides. Like everyone knew they were trying to just get them to jump off sides. And Spencer Burford, where are you going? Why are you jumping? It's very clear what you're trying to do. And uh, I was just like, okay, that if he had a low grade, it, it probably has, they probably marked him down like, three negatives for that one play just because it was so ridiculous. You yeah, can't got, jump on that. He got deemed for the penalties. He had uh, led the team with three penalties. He also got deemed for his pass protection, which I didn't think was horrible. Um, Colton McKivitz obviously gave up the the big time pressures and hits and strip sacks to TJ Watt. I, I Do you give, do you give Colton McKivitz a pass proc just because of who he was going up against? De- definitely. You know, TJ Watt wouldn't be, who I think he is if he didn't dominate Colt McKibbins. So I expected that to happen. Obviously, like, you don't want it to be to the tune of three sacks, two forced fumbles, and your quarterback fighting for a ball with his arms underneath him. But just in the sense of, like, how he's going to hold up against what, I thought it would be trouble. Now, is that going to continue? You know, I'm not going to hit the panic button on McKibbins and just say, well, he just can't play. Or, oh, man, you got to find – Can is, is there a veteran out there where a team might try to do like a fire sale in the middle of the year and you can go get a right tackle? But I would say, man, like, well, let's just continue to watch him. And just like anyone else, you know, any other young guy who needs to continue to play to kind of get their feet underneath them and, you know, how are they going to attack guys? It was a lesson learned, and the test will be now, did he learn from it? And again, the PFF grades aren't gospel and there's some things they wait and some things that you might watch a game and think, ah, it doesn't really match up. Sometimes it completely matches up like with Brandon Ayuk and some of the, the, the high grades we mentioned up there. Um, Aaron Banks too, didn't get the, the highest grade either run or pass blocking in this game. Jake Brendel had a pretty average grade, but I do want to point out one huge block from Jake Brendel and uh, he didn't get much credit on the broadcast when it happened, but he walled off two guys on a, on a big Christian McCaffrey run early in the game. And, and that was a phenomenal block. And then there was a huge hole there for, for McCaffrey to hit. So I thought Brendel did a, a pretty good job, uh, but there's no better. There's no better example of PFF kind of getting it wrong, or I don't know what they're seeing or how they're grading it because the worst grade on the 49ers defense now, albeit these are all still very high grades. Like they've got over half the team is in green. I mean, it's lit up like a Christmas tree on the 49ers grades for the defensive side of the ball. So it's not necessarily in a bad grade place, but the, the, the 20th out of 20 grade for the 49ers players that played on defense is Fred Warner. Even though he had a, a really high run defense grade, uh, they had a, he had a low grade for 
Uh, he must have missed it. I can't, I can't think of a missed tackle that he had, but his tackling grade was low. His pass rush grade was low. His coverage grade was low. I mean, he, he, he caused an interception. He dropped an interception, but he was there in coverage to make a play on the ball. Um, I don't know how you can watch that game and not think that Fred Warner was one of the best players on the field. So this is one of those situations where the, the grade just does not match what the play on the field was. Uh, I mean, gosh, I was sitting here saying that how could you watch that game and not think he was the best linebacker in the field? And they're like, uh, he's not even the best defense. Matter of fact, he's the worst graded defensive player on your entire team. So it is different when you track every single play. And all they do is it's just the way that they have their, uh, you know, formula. They give pluses, they give minuses. And every play. It's, it's not a biased thing. It's just uh, this is what it's telling us. So clearly if we went, maybe he's getting stacked behind some guys and maybe, you know, maybe in some run fits, we see the ones that look like explosive and he's getting there and he has these big hits, right? And that stands out to us. It stood out to me several times. But for other, for them, they're like, well, what about this one? And what about this one? What about this one? That we don't know this. We just see who ends up making the tackle and not that Fred Warner got caught up in traffic or maybe picked the wrong hole or, you know, and somebody else kind of saved him from you know it being a more explosive play so I, I don't know that to be the case I'm just I'm just trying to figure out how they would come to that conclusion but I remember with Keller Witherspoon I would watch like the all 22 and I'd be like man I thought Keller Witherspoon played very well but everybody's going to point out that one play where oh man he gave up this catch it was a touchdown to Diggs but on every other rep you know where he was targeted five times only gave up one catch was locked down outside. I was like, I thought he had a good game. I was at a touchdown. They're like, no, he's terrible. Get him out of there. So it could be one of those things. And obviously, with this one, I think he had a little bit more downs and ups. But um, it could be one of those things where when you just watch every snap of this guy, you come to a different conclusion than a guy that's just watching the game. And, and part of it was just probably how because the 49ers put a lot on their linebackers, and it's similar with uh with Dre Greenlaw. Greenlaw was targeted 11 times and gave up seven catches. And Fred Warner targeted eight times, gave up six catches. So, you know, giving up six of eight in your in your coverage, quote unquote, I think that has part to do with it. And and so, so, so somewhat unfair when you're when you're measuring it up like that. And uh, it's a lot harder for a defensive back to have huge grades with PFF system, probably because of that. And some of the worst grades on the 49ers defense were guys that were in coverage. Uh, conversely, on the other side. Nick Bosa actually had the the best total grade in this game, even though he didn't show up on the on the stat sheet all that much. I mean, he was given effort. He was looking pretty gassed at, at a certain point there late in the game at 30, 35, I think, total snaps he ended up with in that one, which is right in that 30 to 40 range that the 49ers said he was gonna get. But he was he got good grades pushing the pocket. He had got good grades in in run defense as well. You know who else did was Cleveland Farrell, who was kind of like I think Farrell and uh and Eric Armstead were kind of, they both had very good grades in this game. I think they were both guys that were kind of like really close to making a play, but didn't actually make the play. Although Farrell did hit, uh, pick it a couple times. Nick Bosa got pancaked by Darnell Washington. Yeah. Not something I was expecting to see, especially with how it happened. It wasn't even a, cause there was one where he got chip blocked where, you know, it kind of blindsided a little bit and the guy kind of knocks him to the ground. It was like, ah, whatever. Like he didn't see you coming, but with the Darnell Washington one, <laughs> I mean, he just, it was one-on-one. -on -one. There was no help at all. And he just got inside his chest. I mean, and just spilt, just bloop, dumped him to the ground, like kicked him out the club, no white tees. Yep. And I've, I haven't really seen that happen to Nick Bosa. So it was kind of shocking seeing it. And I saw it floating around social media amongst 
uh, Steelers people where they're like, yeah, look at Darnell Washington. This is our, you know, our rookie right here. Like, he's going to be so good. And he is known for blocking. I mean, he's a big tight end. He's huge. But, yeah, I'm just not used to seeing Nick Bosa get done like that, like a little kid. And it was funny. He, he had the look on his face, too, because he was pretty gassed. I think that was later in the game, right? That was in the second half. And um, he kind of was just on a knee for a bit after that. And he had a look on his face like, man, this is going to show up in the film room. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take heat for this. I just kind of had that look on his face. He's like, gosh dang it. Um, Kevin Gibbons, Javon Hargrave, Drake Jackson, Eric Armstead, Hufanga, Charvarius Ward, Oren Burks, Tashawn Gibson, Kerry Hyder, all of them over the 70s. Uh, Javon Kinlaw as well. I mean, tons of huge grades for the 49ers, uh, according to PFF. And really, all those guys looked really good in this game. So it's not surprising that uh, there was a lot of really good grades for the 49ers. Kerry Hyder. He's looking a little bigger, no, than he was. He's always been a big end, but man, uh, he he he's long. He's he's living large right now. I like I like Kerry Hyder, man. He's he's a fun player. He gives everything, and he he just you can count on him giving you solid snaps. To have that a depth player like that, you can trust. Uh, I'm sure he's one of the 49ers coaching staff's favorites. You talked about high effort with Drake Jackson. I mean, Kerry Hyder, he exemplifies that, right? Like in the dictionary, there should be a picture of Kerry Hyder next to the word effort or yep. high motor, yep. right? Uh, if you remember, you know, a few years back, he was a guy who had eight sacks for the 49ers and ended up kind of getting paid from Seattle. And it's like, man, how did how did he get eight sacks? But if you just watch the games, it was high motor, high effort, high motor, high effort, consistently throughout games to the tune of eight sacks. So uh, Drake Jackson, maybe he's learning something from a guy like Kerry Hyder, who's a veteran now. I mean, he's been around for a while. Yeah, exactly. Drake Jackson's like, wait a second. Okay, I got all this other talent on the defensive line. All I got to do is make sure I keep, I keep trying, I keep making effort, and there's going to be sacks coming to me. And we saw that for sure against the Steelers on Sunday. All right, fantastic stuff. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. Appreciate all of the everydayers. Talk more about the 49ers cap situation. Why are they clearing all this space? And um, start turning the page to week two on another Winky Wednesday tomorrow. Talk to you then right here, Locked On 49ers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.